This episode of Ministry Monday is sponsored by Simply Liturgical Music. Responsorial psalms are meant to be sung, yet daily Mass resources are scarce. That's why Simply Liturgical Music has worked hard to create a comprehensive catalog of daily and ritual psalms for your worshiping community, including the full two-year cycle of weekday psalms. You can try your first psalm for free. Just use code MINISTRYMONDAY at checkout. Visit slmusic.org to get started. From NPM, the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, this is Episode 225 of Ministry Monday. Ministry Monday is a weekly podcast about music, ministry, and liturgy produced by the National Association of Pastoral Musicians, or NPM. What is NPM? NPM is a national association that fosters the art of musical liturgy. The members of NPM serve the Catholic Church in the United States as musicians, clergy, liturgists, and other leaders of prayer. For more information, go to npm.org forward slash join. Have a question? Email us anytime at ministrymonday at npm.org. Hello, and welcome to Ministry Monday. I am your host, Amanda Bruce. If you haven't done so yet, please subscribe to Ministry Monday wherever you listen to your podcasts each week. And hey, thanks for joining us today. I am happy to be back with you after a brief summer hiatus from Ministry Monday. It was so great to meet so many of you at the NPM convention, both in the in-person experiences and the virtual experiences. But I'm also glad to be back and here at Ministry Monday with new episodes. So today on Ministry Monday, we speak to Daniel Ladner and Beth Shaver, two pastoral musicians, NPM members, and a father and daughter. While both have served in music ministry for decades, Daniel himself has served in music ministry for 72 years at the same church. Today, we get the chance to hear both Beth and Dan's stories in music ministry, and coincidentally, the impact that NPM has had in their lives. And on an editorial note, I want to share that when I invited Beth and Dan to speak on the podcast today, I truly had no idea how much of an impact NPM did have in their lives. And while you hear that today, I want to mention that this episode is not sponsored by NPM conventions and educational opportunities, although it is remarkable how much they have made an impact in their lives. Today on Ministry Monday, I am speaking to Beth Shaver and Dan Ladner. Hi, Beth and Dan. How are you? Hi, Amanda. I'm doing great. How are you today? (laughs) I'm doing very well. Thank you both for chatting with me today. So today we are going to be talking to both you, Beth and Dan, because you both have been working in music ministry. Now, um, Dan, how long have you been a music minister? 72 years. Wow, that's <laughs> wonderful. Well, I started playing the organ in church for the low masses 
when I was 14, a freshman mm. in high school, and I've been playing ever since. <laughs> wow, that's wonderful. Now, was it in the same city the entire time, or did you move at any point? No, it's the same city, same church, all 72 years. Same church? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Wow, that's incredible. Did you have any formal training? I did not. I was uh, I had piano lessons, of course, mm -hmm. and then my piano teacher thought I was advanced enough, and she recommended to the pastor that I uh, start working on the church organ, and he okayed that, and it came very easy to me. So I have never had any organ lessons at all. Wow, wow, and that's just incredible. Um, now, we'll, we'll speak a little bit more about your time in music ministry, Dan, but Beth, how many years have you been in music ministry? I started in the military. My husband was in the Air Force, and my first job was at Aviano Air Base in 2001, and we were stationed there for six years before moving here to Blacksburg. So I've been in it nearly 20 years in this position for 12 here at St. Mary's in Blacksburg. And uh, listeners, I should mention that Beth and Dan are father and daughter, correct? Yes. Correct. <laughs> so, so Dan, growing up, did you encourage Beth to join music ministry? Well, I don't think so. You, you know, she just uh, maybe saw what I was doing and uh, it interested her. And uh, she just took took the reins from there. And I, I'm very grateful for that. <laughs> it, it was easy when you go to mass and you're in the choir loft. <laughs> anyway, that's where you sit as a family in the choir loft while he's playing. That's so we kind of, my sisters and I kind of grew up in the choir loft, uh, started singing in the church choirs when I was in high school. And I've been singing ever since at church. So that's my start. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then if that was your start, Beth, how did you end up deciding to go into music ministry um, in, in early 2000s? Again, I started um, in the military base chapels, just kind of out of a need. They were looking for people to serve in all different capacities. And I started with um, children's liturgy of the word and then taught a high school class. And then I devoted most of my time to music in the military just because you know the need is so great and the turnover was so great so everywhere we were stationed that's where i served in music ministry nice wow okay um well dan let's talk a little bit about more in, in your time in music ministry in in your time in music ministry as you already alluded um you have seen a lot of change in the catholic church in the last i have indeed years. i have <laughs> yes. indeed yeah Yes. And so um, how were you involved? You mentioned low masses. How were you involved before and then after the Second Vatican Council? Oh, that's very interesting. Uh, I, I also, when I was playing the organ for the low masses, we were able to sing hymns in English. Uh, and then, of course, after Vatican II, uh, the high mass, we could 
sing in English. So that was a big change. And I sang in the, uh, what we called the senior choir, uh, all, all four years of high school as well. And of course, I, so I learned Latin by rote, uh, and singing with that choir gave me uh, a lot of experience and confidence, I think, in uh, my pursuit, which happened later on. So in your time, in 72 years, are there any particular memories or liturgies that really stick out to you that made an impact in your music ministry? Oh, I can't think of anything, any one big thing. No, I really can't. There's so many changes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't narrow it down. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, so I, how did you, yes, oh, go ahead. Well, I was going to say the introduction to folk masses uh, by the younger people in the parish, that was quite a change, too, because we had never had that kind of music in the church before Vatican II. So that was a, that was a big change. I, I wasn't involved, but mm-hmm. just as a listener. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And so, you know, going into that time, into the, the post-Vatican II, the folk mass genre, those, you know, the, the music is so shifting, right? It's changing so much. Um, what were some of the ways that you found formation and education in this new chapter of the Catholic Church and music ministry? What were some of the things that you depended on for formation? Well, this is a good plug for Pastoral Musicians, Musicians Association because I started attending uh, summer workshops that they offered, and I, my pastor was very supportive in helping me financially to go to the uh, conventions, both the regional and uh, some national conventions as well. And that was certainly uh, mind-blowing and inspirational to me. And I was able to carry a lot of what I learned back to my local parish. In your 72 years, um, were you a choir director? Were you an organist? What were some of the, the hats that you wore, if you will? Well, I, the console uh, faced the choir. So I was able to play and conduct at the same time. And I had first seen that done when I was in college in Boston at St. Cecilia's Church, and I had never seen that before. So um, when I left Boston University, I I brought that idea back to home, back home, and that's when I started, uh, that's when I was hired as full-time organist in my church and choir director. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. And how long did you my have predecessor, that? My predecessor had... Uh, chosen that time to retire. So they asked me if I would step in and do it with my Mm -hmm. past experience. So Mm -hmm. I learned as I progressed and the years just slipped by. (laughs) And how many years was that in the end? I mean, you said 72, but how many years were you the director officially? Uh, Let's see, 68. I was a freshman in college. Okay. Now, Beth, we, we talked a little bit about Daniel's formation. Um, what were some of the things that you have found and still find as a support for your education in pastoral music? Oh, I would say 
Definitely NPM and the resources available through NPM. I read everything I can get my hands on. A lot of it is planning with the pastor and working one-on-one -on -one with the pastors I've been fortunate enough to work with through the years. Um, I just love it. I mean, the, the, more, the more I do, the more I learn and the more the ministry is just a blessing in my life. So it's, it's pretty much learn as I go. I would say, Daniel, that's probably the case for you as well, given all the, the major changes you went through. I think that's true. That's true. You learn as you go along and you, uh, like I said, after, after learning so many things from the uh, pastoral musicians workshops and conventions, and you bring that back home and introduce it to your choir and your congregation. Uh, and that's the thing I think that motivated me as much as anything. I uh, trying new things. I attended a summertime workshop in Massachusetts that was uh, sponsored by Alexander Pelliquin, the composer and organist at the cathedral in Providence, Rhode Island. I was the first time I had been to one of these workshops and I was uh, really, uh, really pleased with what I picked up there. We did a lot of work on his own music, of course. Um, we had uh, Mass daily. Uh, he brought in some soloists for us, uh, and that's where I first saw uh, liturgical dancing. And I was very impressed with how how lovely that was, and what an addition it would be to not all liturgies, but certain liturgies. Um, so that was a big thing. Of course, the motivation from Alexander was uh, excellent, and that just kind of got me on fire. So when I came back home uh, that fall, um, I taught at Presque Isle High School, and we had a wonderful choreographer there. And I told her about this liturgical dance, and she said, "Well, I'd like to, I'd like to do that with you." And I said, "Oh, that would be great." So uh, we got a, I think we had about eight or ten uh, high school girls. They had costumes made that were lovely and uh, had full skirts like a ballet dancer. And uh, I had the choir record a Christmas song. I don't remember now what it was. Uh, and uh, she had that recording and worked with her girls on that. Uh, so we did it uh, that Christmas Eve that year. And it was very well received by everyone. So I think I did it again at Easter for the Easter vigil or the Easter morning uh, mass. And it, once again, it was uh, very well received. Of course, there were some that were a little skeptical probably, but that's true with about anything new that people hear. But I, I think it was a success and I'm glad I did it. Nice. And of course, from from what we all know about the changes in the Second Vatican Council, that was an era of change. There was so much change happening at that time. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Overwhelming. But I was brave and uh, I, I had a, a big choir of about 30 at that time. So I uh, ordered new music and we started 
you know, doing more singing in English. And the, the dice, is, it, is that how it's pronounced? D-E-I-S-S or D-I-E-S-S? Oh, Lucian, but, Lucian Dice? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I bought, I bought his books and we learned most of the songs in there and used those uh, at Mass. And that was very well received, especially by the choir members. And it was very easy, the melodies were quick to pick up. So we did that for many years, actually. And there are still some that I wouldn't mind using again, but I haven't, I don't even know where the music is now. It's been so long ago. <laughs> but it was, it was, uh, it was good to introduce that to the uh, choir, uh, choir and to the congregation. Uh, our youth in the parish had a wonderful uh, folk group. And uh, very, it was very, very well done. You know, if it hadn't been, I wouldn't have been too pleased with it. And I probably would have said something, but it was it was very well done. And uh, so we we waded both feet into Vatican II changes. And uh, I, I think we were probably one of the uh, one of the parishes in northern Maine, where I am, near the Canadian border, to uh, bring that new music to the fore. So I'm kind of proud of that. And you should be. That, that was a big deal. And to be honest, I think it's still a big deal to this day because, of course, there is still that cultural split, if you will, um, in the church yes, today. Yes, indeed. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, Beth, let me ask you, um, what, what were some of the things that were instrumental to you in your formation thus far? Oh, absolutely. Working with priests, good and holy men who know liturgy and who were really um, instrumental to me working closely with them uh, through the years. And also NPM um, reading everything and listening in to podcasts and learning new music, finding new music, researching. Uh, I also attended um, the Winter Colloquium a few years ago uh, in DC with Dr. Peter Latona and it was so phenomenal. And like my dad, I was able to bring back ideas and music and he was wonderful. He told us if there was any piece of music that we heard that we would like to incorporate, just, you know, send him an email. It was that easy to get music from him. And it was, it was just wonderful. What a beautiful experience that was. That's great. I'm so glad to hear of both your experiences with continuing education, because I do think, especially in Dan's time too, you know, there, there was no sacred music degree available during the Vatican II changes. There was nothing like that. And so to be able to find those resources um, through formation opportunities, that makes a lot of sense to me. That does. Now, yeah. um, yes, Dan, go ahead. Could I add something uh, that Beth said uh, about the priests that serve in the parishes? You can imagine how many priests that I've worked with in 72 years. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, a lot. That's a lot. It was a lot. And they're all different. And some are more enthusiastic than others about the, the liturgical music. Uh, some have different tastes. But generally, they were very supportive. Um, one pastor in particular, uh, Claude Albert, 
uh, was especially enthusiastic about sending me to summer workshops. And uh, that every time I went to one, I came back a little more enthusiastic than ever. I also am a member of, or was a member of the American Association of Choral Directors, ACDA. I don't mm-hmm. think I said the, the words right. But I went to a lot of their conventions as well. And the pastor uh, helped pay for my expenses. So I thought that was wonderful. I'm also a conductor of a, a community chorus in northern Maine. And we had, we started out with about 60 members. And uh, it grew up to over 100. And then uh, we had Loring Air Force Base, which was close by. And they offered a lot of people to that group. But then Loring closed. A lot of people left. Uh, and then just through the years, you know, people moved away. Uh, some died, of course. And uh, so right now we're down to about 40. And uh, But the quality is still very excellent. So the music that I, I, some of the music I use at church, I bring to the community chorus. Some of the community chorus music I bring to the church uh, and, and to uh other musical events that I'm involved with. So anyway, uh, I just wanted to mention and add to what Beth said about the priests and how important a role they play in the music, even if it's just support and uh, encouragement. And another nice thing I always take away from these conventions and workshops is that I feel like I have a clue (laughs) And we're, our community is on the right path, and we're doing what we're supposed to be doing as Vatican II Church, and that's always satisfying to know that, you know, what, we, what we're doing and how we're celebrating is in line, and a unified church is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yes, indeed. I agree with you, Beth. Very important. And to know that you're always doing the right thing. Um, the... Um, National Pastoral Musicians uh, Monthly Magazine was also very helpful to me in so many ways. I, I love the articles and uh, the suggestions for music and, you know, what's going on in the world in the uh, Catholic Church. Very helpful. Now, Dan, in your 72 years in music ministry, have you found that throughout that time you not only, of course, ministered to others, but did you ever feel that you were ministered to yourself? Oh, I think so. I, I would like to think so. Uh, and I've, uh, and you don't get it. You don't get much feedback from the parishioners. I find, you know, I'm upstairs in the balcony, uh, you know, and, and when mass is over and after our recessional, uh, people have gone. So I don't get any, I don't get much feedback and I, I kind of missed that. So in my own mind and heart, I had to think, yes, what we're doing is, is nice and beautiful. And uh, I hope it's reaching people's hearts. And I, I, so I, you have to tell yourself that, yeah, I'm doing, we're doing the right thing and we're reaching the people. I hope I did that. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm still doing that. <laughs> And I, I have a feeling that you are. I do. Um, I Beth, hope so. Beth, what, what about you, Beth? Same question. Oh, 
you know, it's easy to get caught up in kind of routine every week. You feel like you're just switching out the songs. And like my dad said, you don't really hear feedback a lot. Um, there's one instance back at Aviano Air Base when uh, the Bosnian conflict was going on. And we had some, it was a regular Sunday mass and we had some people who were um, in Bosnia and they came for a weekend just to kind of get away for a weekend and they spent it at Aviano. And after the mass, this young woman came to me and she said, this was so beautiful. And you sang, be not afraid. And I want you to know that we've been having mass on the sly in a bombed out building. We're not allowed to have mass or celebrate anything while we're there in this war zone. And the priest does his best to give us communion. And we gather there underground, literally in a hole. And she said, just to hear, to be together, and to be free to celebrate with a community, it just means the world. And that stayed with me ever since. I get emotional when I think about it, but you know, one song can change somebody and touch somebody, you just never know. So well powerful. said, Beth. Yeah. As we start to kind of come to a close a little bit here, I have a question that I don't know if I've asked you both. Um, Dan and Beth, have you guys ever ministered in a mass together? <laughs> Well, Beth used to sing in the choir when she was in uh, living at home, mm-hmm. uh, and whenever she visits Presque Isle, uh, I have her sing solos during the uh, liturgy, and that's always a big pleasure for me. So, and I hope she'll do that again when she comes on her next visit. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> okay, pencil that in, Beth. Okay, I'm penciled in. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Oh, that's wonderful. I, I think that it's so nice that you both can can do music ministry together when you can. What a gift. And and Dan, I what a gift for you to to also still continue to lead an example after so many years for everyone listening, not just Beth. I hope so. Thank you very much. It's been a wonderful career. And it but this this interview has caused me to think back a lot about the early days when I was a boy and how it started up through uh taking over the what we called the senior choir of adults. Uh, that was a big step in my career. And uh I was so glad that they accepted me because I was a very young man in my uh teens still and uh, early twenties what I started. So anyway, that was, uh, I'm very grateful for all of that. Well, thank you for your, how many years again? 72 years? 72 years in the same church. Yes. Wow. Oh in the goodness. same church. Wow. Well, I, thank think, you. I think that wow. might hold a record in Maine, but I'm <laughs> not sure about that. Well, I wouldn't be surprised. It is a wonderful, wonderful accomplishment. And I I so thank you both for your time today, for chatting with me. And again, Dan, we thank you for the many years, the, the many tumultuous chapters you and your ministry have had to face. Um, <laughs> and it's it's been such a pleasure to to sit and chat with you about 
just, I mean, just a small, small iota of the things that you have seen and experienced in those 72 years. Without losing yeah. his mind. <laughs> yeah, with, that's true. <laughs> thank you both so much for your time today. Thank you, Beth, and thank you, Dan. Um, and thank you also for all you do in ministry. Um, you both are truly a gift to the church. So thank you. Thank you. It has been a pleasure. Thank you. I'd like to extend a special thanks to Dan and Beth for a truly special episode of Ministry Monday. It was such a joy to sit and speak with them. Now, maybe it's the episode or maybe it's the sentiment after returning home from an NPM convention, but I'm so renewed and reminded at how important it is to be a member of an association like NPM when so actively involved in pastoral ministry. I invite anyone who is listening to this episode to join NPM into the community that is here that is so welcoming, or renew your membership. We'd love to have you as we offer these continuing, inspiring, encouraging opportunities for learning throughout the entire year, and not just at an NPM convention. For more information about membership, visit npm.org forward slash join. The recording of Ave Maria is from a piece by Tomas Luis de Vitoria and is produced by GIA Publications. The recording of today's episode of Ministry Monday was produced by me, Amanda Bruce, and the theme music was produced by Aaron Schaus. That's it for today. With the Spirit's gifts empowering us for the work of ministry, thank you for listening. Have a great week ahead, and we'll see you back here next time on Ministry Monday.